Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. While you're turning there, um, specifically uh, next week, one of the ways you can pray would be uh, Saturday night before you go to bed, uh, pray for us as uh, we will be having a worship service before most of you get up. And um, I'm sure you think I'm just going because I'm so good at tone chimes, but I'm also going to be preaching. And that that morning over there, I'll be uh, preaching. My body will tell me it's the middle of the night and preaching through an interpreter. So um, pray for clarity of mind and, and for them. And they will be celebrating Pentecost uh, Sunday. So we will celebrate that with them. And, and then each day I'll be doing some teaching uh, in the morning. And then everyone on the team has a, a specific role and roles uh, to carry out the camp. Well, it is Father's Day. And some of you who are here today are orphans. And some of you aren't orphans, but you act like orphans. I'm not talking about being parentless, though some of you may have experienced that as well. I am talking in the spiritual realm. And I want you to have a happy Father's Day. But I'm not going to preach to just maybe the one-third of our congregation who uh, are fathers. I hope that after today, when Father's Day approaches, that you will use that as an opportunity like we are using today to celebrate what it means to be adopted into his family, to be a child of the living God. By the way, don't forget to get your father a new necktie also on top of that. We are in Ephesians chapter 1. This is a passage, and I'm going to go into another passage later on. Either one of them uh, could, could be lengthy sermon series, and so obviously we're going to be focusing on uh, one aspect of this passage, and I'm going to begin with the, the second verse. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. What lofty words, O Lord. And yet, you describe your children It is your grace that we celebrate. We could not have earned this relationship. We say that right up front. But when I see these words, I am reminded again and again of that amazing grace. Will you teach us of it today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 5, for adoption as sons. Now, I know that it's not a good thing to rank your favorite doctrines. That's not a good practice in general, okay? So I know that's the case, but I have to tell you how much I love this doctrine of adoption. What it means to me on a personal level, I I was not adopted, but I was adopted. I had two parents. God gave me that blessing. But I was an orphan spiritually and without hope and in worse than an orphanage until God saw fit to do something different, to change my status. Now, biblical scholars have long researched the source of where Paul got this doctrine, and some have argued this, well, you know, the Romans had, uh, you know, the Hellenistic uh, society at that time had a, a, you know, uh, adoption, and so he probably got it from that, and then he developed the Christianity to fit in with that. Well, out of God's common grace, out of his his, uh, uh, general revelation to mankind, yes, they had developed adoption. But this was God's idea. But let me tell you um, about 
the Roman way of doing it. And I, I have saved this article, um, never shared it until today. Uh, this was in the county I was in over in Atlanta, and um, Judge Christopher Edwards, uh, this is how he goes through the process of adoption with, uh, when a family comes in. And someone who had gone through it with him wrote a little, basically, a thank you to him in an editorial in the newspaper. He, they said this is what happened on that day. Uh, he, he always liked to end with them standing behind a desk and getting a picture and so on. But uh, the father said this, before we came around to his side of the desk, he told us a story. In ancient Rome, he said, the absolute authority of the father over his family was called patria potestas. And that adoption in Roman society was an honorable event. On a prescribed date and time, orphans could go to an appointed place on the town square, and the patriarch of a family could adopt an orphan before five witnesses by doing the following. He would place his hand on the orphan's head and say, Patrius Potestas, followed by, Your debts and transgressions are no more, and your affiliation with your prior family is no more. He would repeat Patrius Potestas and say, I give you my name and the right to inherit from me. Finally, he would say Patria Potestas again and this phrase, I am responsible for all your tomorrows. Then he took his hand away. The adoption was complete. That's what went on in that pagan society And God saw fit to say, look, that's a good thing. Even pagan societies have general revelation from God and they do some things good. But what Paul did is he said, look, here here is the real adoption. And I want to tell you some of the things today, according to the Apostle Paul, that distinguishes it from that wonderful practice by those pagans. But this is what makes it apply to us. In this passage, we see in verse 4 and verse 5, we see it's based on unconditional love. You know, their way of doing things didn't say anything about love. Maybe you think it's implied but God more than implied it. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God's choosing had to be unconditional because this passage tells us when it was done. It was done before the foundation of the world, before any of us existed, that's when we were chosen. So it wasn't based upon, well, that orphan looks like he would serve me well, or or that looks like a strong one. That one's healthy. Nothing like that. But rather, in love. 1 John 3, 1 
says, see. Or maybe some of your versions say, behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Now, in the original, that look or that uh, behold, uh, then with John's statement about the Father's love begins with a, a word really calling us to lift our eyes from, from ourselves to something, something else, something wonderful. Take a look at this. And then the next phrase, according to commentators, it's lacking in the English. The English Standard Version translates what kind of love, or maybe your version, what manner of love. The word John uses could could mean uh, what size of love. And if you look back in earlier uh, classical Greek usage, the phrase is used, from what country? In other words, it's something that is, is, is completely different. Now, next Friday, as you know already, we're going to Ukraine. And I've been there uh, several times. In fact, on the way back, we are going to go through uh, Moscow and then all the way back to D.C. from there. And uh, even though I've been there several times, each time you go, you get more comfortable. Uh, you, you know a little bit more about the culture and so on. But you never forget, at least I never forget, even for a moment, that I'm in a different country. And you know that if you travel. i I've uh, talked with uh, someone yesterday who'd been on a wonderful trip over in in Europe, but but said this very quickly, but boy, was I glad to get home. And usually that's the case. You know, you're so happy, oh, we're we're back in America, you know, even though it's wonderful to to go and uh, in mission trip situations to be able to minister or to see other wonderful things. You just don't forget that you're in a different place. And that's what John is saying. He said, this this love is different than the kind of love we have for one another. It's as if it's from another country. It's so different because it is a love from God. And love is the best way we can describe it because we can understand that to some degree but it's something even beyond. It may be unknown to us, but we can experience, we can receive it, and enjoy it. And that's all by grace. That is all by grace. Now, adoption, in in this passage, we see it's a change of of status. You go from from lost to uh, saved. Paul describes it, uh, verse 7, talking about redemption. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption meaning to to release upon payment of a ransom. Adoption is always, always at, at a high cost, and that's the case in human adoption. It's always very costly for those who choose to adopt. Now, they would say, it's worth it. That's what I hear. It's worth it, but, but it is costly. 
And here we see the cost. The cost of, to the father of his son through his blood, referring to Jesus, who didn't deserve to, to die for his own sin. So when he hung on the cross, it was in our place. He lived that life that we should have lived and didn't. And then he died the death that we deserve to die on the cross. That's the cost for our adoption if we are in Christ. And that's grace. And then it talks about forgiveness. Uh, Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according, and this is a key, according to the riches of his grace. And, And to me, that's the best part of that phrase. That's the best news, according to the riches of his grace. Here's why I say that. One of the things that I see people struggle with on a regular basis is wondering whether they can actually be forgiven. I mean, I don't feel forgiven or, you know, I've done way too much to, to really be forgiven. And it's a struggle often for people internally who want to want to be forgiven, want to feel forgiven because they are still are walking under, under guilt. And they wonder, how could I possibly? Because, you know, if, if, if I treated other people like I've treated God, they would never forgive me. And that's why I think this phrase is such good news, is, is the answer comes in that. Let me illustrate. If... If I owed a great debt, let's say I owed uh, five times my annual salary in debt, and every year, this this is credit card debt, Dave Ramsey would be very upset. You call Dave Ramsey and say, hey, look, this is what happened, and he'd he'd really ball me out for that. And the interest is such that every year... It multiplies again so that there's no way for me possibly to catch up from the position that I'm in. And then suppose you came to me and said, look, I'm, I'm willing to get you out of debt. Well, you know, after you grin a little bit and say, okay, nice thought, are you sure you can do that? Uh, what makes me think that you've got the resources to be able to get me out of debt? And then suppose you said to me, after knowing how much I owed five times my annual salary, you said, well, look, here's what you need to know. Every year I make a thousand times your annual salary. And I would say, okay, well, let's go then, yeah. And I would feel good about that because I would know that you were capable of paying that debt. Now, look, that's, that's what he is, is, is saying here. It is according to the riches of his grace, 
which are infinite. That's why we can be forgiven because it, it, it doesn't stop at some point like forgiveness from people does. When our reservoir dries up of the grace that we may have towards someone else. When it comes to, to God... It's according to the riches of His grace, and because that's infinite, it will never run out. So, yes, the answer is you can be forgiven in Christ. And then it goes on to talk about inheritance. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, literally, that, that the idea of that inheritance is to determine by lot or assigning land. Originally, an heir receiving land as a, a heritage. We need to understand this. The inheritance is incomplete in this life. It's not incomplete, but it is in this life. It's ours. We enjoy it to a degree, but it'll be in the future that we will enjoy our full inheritance. Now, we can enjoy knowing that's coming as well. With the knowledge of that, with the knowledge that there is an inheritance, that we have an identity because we've been uh, brought into this family, what difference should that make to us. I want to take you to another passage, Galatians chapter 4. Now, as I mentioned earlier, these passages you can do. In fact, I did do a whole Advent series on uh, these three verses in Galatians 4. But it says this, Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We are passive in our adoption being accomplished, but then we respond in love. We're passive. Remember? Keep the idea of the the orphan who's there. They can't adopt themselves. They can't engineer their adoption. So we're, we're passive, but then we respond in love. But we love because he first loved us. So we respond to the love of the Father. Next week in Ukraine, we will go to an orphanage that is right next to the clinic where we will be staying. That'll be part of the other work that we are doing in addition to the music and arts camp. And there'll be lots of children around. And I I would hasten to say this, by the standards of that country, uh, the standards of that orphanage are, are, are pretty good. It's clean well-furnished. Now, a lot of the reason for that is because of people in this church and 
individuals in this church and teams that have gone. But in general, the environment is good. But then nighttime comes, and there's no mom and dad to hold that child and to tell them good night or to lay down with them. That's the difference. That's a picture of a man without Christ. They may feel like they're pretty much okay, but they are not connected to the Father. That's why I said some of you are orphans. Here's what an adopted child enjoys. Galatians 4, 6, love of the Father. Love for the Father, a relationship with the Father. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's a term of intimacy. Papa, Daddy, imagine. I mean, there's no, no other religion that would dare say that. That... that Christianity is totally unique in this. That would be blasphemy to most other religions. And it would be if it was our idea. But this is God's idea of how He treats His children. He says, I I have redeemed you. I have adopted you. And I will put in you a spirit that doesn't call me Mr. God or anything like that, but calls me Papa, Daddy. Imagine. Adoption means belongingness, identity, dignity. You're a child of the King of the universe. That's why every, every week we end here with our identity. Children of the living God, reach out. Because that's, that is who we are because of what he has done. It means acceptance into a family. So those who are without are with. Those who are orphans or have no family have family. And we ought to live that out. And then verse 7. The adopted one should no longer have the spirit of slavery either. That's another way of describing uh, a similar thing, like being an orphan. So you're no longer, verse 7, no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. The slave, in, in the day that this was written, they were outside the house. And if they came into the house, it was only to serve. And then they went back outside the house. Paul is saying, look, you're not out there anymore. You are in here where the sons and daughters are. You are inside and not just inside to serve. Sometimes we act like slaves. When we act like following Christ is is some kind of a burden. I know we're behind times, but we just watched this week the... Steven Spielberg movie, Lincoln, which is about the um, adoption of the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery. 
you know, what, one of the big problems was after that was done was those who had been slaves all their life then trying to understand what it is to walk and live in freedom because all they knew before that was slavery. As Christians, that's, that's the danger is that we may fall back into the, the, um, the mode of acting like we're just slaves to God. We're just orphans still, even though He's changed our relationship. And then, we as believers must understand also that we don't have to earn our relationship. Galatians 4.9 says this, But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, see, do you see the balance there? You know, we tend to say, yeah, I've come to know God, and which is that there's truth in that, but why'd you come to know God? Because he knew you. So you who have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? And then he gives examples of that. Some who have been adopted still act like orphans. Still act like I've got to earn my way. I've got to do that which will please my new father or he might kick me out of the house. You remember the, the play or the movie Annie? Depicting uh, little orphan Annie. She's at uh, the New York City Hudson Street home for girls during the Great Depression. And it talks about this oppressive place and you, you see all that all that goes on there, and then uh, finally she gets out of that dismal place, and she's with a family. And Grace says, well, Annie, what do you want to do first? Annie says, well, I could do the windows first, and then the floors, and then if I drip, and, and, she, and they interrupt her and say, look, Annie, As long as you're with us, you won't be doing that. She still, even though she was in a family, was trying to earn her way. We mustn't fall back into that. You who have been redeemed, you who are trusting in Christ alone for your eternal life, You have been adopted into a family. And this is the great news that you will never be let go because we are children of the living God. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. How precious, O Lord, is this doctrine to we who tend to be wayward, to fall back into the old ways of slavery and being an orphan, being afraid of being abandoned, 
thinking we've got to earn our way into your favor. Lord, will you, will you not only save us from that in the beginning, but save us from that every day. Remind us of our identity in Jesus Christ, that we are beloved in the Beloved because of what Jesus has done. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.